I'm Pastor Matt. If you guys didn't know, I haven't met some of you. I am uh, from down in Sebring. I have been there in Sebring for about 12 and a half years now. I serve in the capacity of administrative pastor. So just to know a little bit about me. I shared this last night about 10 years ago or so. Our church was at that point where we were talking about potentially planting, uh, planting a church. And we were in an elders meeting, and, or probably numerous elders meetings, but I remember at that point in our fellowship in, the, in, in Florida, we were, um, we were struggling. A lot of churches were closing their doors, and this was one of them that was on the, on the verge of closing their doors. They were actually in uh, communication with a funeral home, and the funeral home was going to buy this church, and it would not have been a church anymore. It would have been a, a bunch of dead people, I guess. So I, uh, we, we, we were able to step into that. We also do the same thing with the Lakeland campus. And uh, it's been a long time. Let's just say that. So my wife and I, we, for years, for about five years, most weeks we were traveling up to Ocala to teach Sunday school at 9 o'clock and preach at the, at the 10 o'clock. And it got tiresome. I really praise the Lord when he was able to establish a team with Pastor Todd and Pastor Michael and, and Ryan. Uh, it's just, uh, that was, I remember the last time I preached here, I think it was the last time. It was about five years ago or so, maybe a little over. It's been a while since I've preached, and I can guarantee you this, you guys were, none of you were here. <laughs> So it's fun to sit there and watch new faces in a church that's not dead and it's alive. So I opened with that so you just know a little bit of history about where I'm from and what I'm, what I'm doing. I am actually from Michigan. Anybody from Michigan? I mean, Michigan's pretty cool. No? Well, yeah, you're from Michigan. Yeah, yeah. So you're sitting there waving your head no. I know there's somebody from Michigan, all right? I remember where she was born. All right, Matthew chapter 23. Pastor Michael's been in a series, right? Have you been yelling a lot? Okay. <laughs> all right, so Matthew 23, woe to the Bible police, all right? It's the main principle or the, uh, the big idea, and this is, this is a power button. This is a... Uh, Intercepted. All right, there it is. It's actually up now. All right, so the big idea is be careful not to lose sight of the purpose behind God's standards. All right, because there is a purpose. When, when Jesus says to do something, there's purpose behind it. What would that purpose be? I mean, I think that we'll, we'll get to the conclusion that it's going to be a relational purpose, that Jesus wants to be in a relationship with you. And, there, and his standards aren't just to be able to give you nonsensical rules, all right? So, I want to open up the passage and read through uh, Matthew chapter 23, I think through verse 12. So, we'll read through the first 12 verses, and then we'll talk about that before we get into the woes. All right, it says, Matthew 23, verse 1, Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat... So do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. 
For they preach, but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and laid them on people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. For they make their phylacteries broad, their fringes long, and they love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues. And greetings in the mar- yeah, and greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you will be your servants. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. All right, so the first way, all right, if we're going to outline something, there's four different ways to know when someone has lost sight of God's standards, all right? There's four ways that somebody will know, and it might be you, that you'll know when you've lost sight of God's standards, because we can get distracted sometimes, and we can get, I don't know, maybe self-absorbed. Any selfish people in the room? Seriously, I mean, come on, just be honest. If you guys all don't raise your hands, well, then you are sinning this morning, all right? We're selfish people by nature, right? All right, so the first way is to what? Not putting into practice what we've preached. We need to be aware of that, all right? So when we're not putting into practice what we're teaching, we've all heard that, right? We've, we've all heard the saying, practice what you preach. We've probably all said that before. Do you ever find it easier to... To, to say the truth and not practice. Like, it's, it's sometimes harder to practice what you preach, right? I think you'd agree with that. Living them out sometimes is a little difficult. We, we pra- I, I have teenage boys. I have one in college, right? So, I mean, I know that I've said this, that you have to have good time management, right? Have we ever instructed somebody, have good time management? Uh, have you ever instructed somebody to... Uh, exhibit self-control in a diet or, or exhibit self-control about things that you're scrolling through on your, on your phone or how much time you spend. We say these things. Oh, hey, here, here's, a, here's a good one. We actually were you know, dealing with a, somebody in town who lost a, lost a son who had got into a bad car accident yesterday. Um, we, we say this to our kids. We, we've been told this... Drive safely. I got to be honest with you. I'm I'm probably a really terrible driver. I'm a lot better offensive driver than defensive driver. All right. Now we all know we live in we live in Sebring. You guys are in Ocala. We get flooded this time of year with snowbirds. We love them, especially in our retail places. But they don't. I don't know. There's there's this disconnect between how they drive up north. And how we drive down here. I, I don't know what it is, but I travel a lot. And when I drive up north, I just, I'm stupid. I drive slow. I swerve in and out of traffic just to get them back a little bit. But anyway, all right. So we say these things drive safely, but are we always, are we always practicing what we're preaching there? Do you ever find yourself not driving safely yourself? You know, maybe going over the, you know, accepted or the posted speed limit. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. Maybe I'm the only one guilty of that, but you see, I mean, you see how easy it is to 
to, to preach these things, but perhaps just find it a little bit more difficult to put them into practice. I mean, to be honest, like that, the list could go on and on about things that we, we preach, that we say to do, but we have a hard time actually practicing those things. And if you open up, if you want to turn your Bibles there, Galatians 5, uh, 19 through 26, there's a, there's, a num, there's, a, there's a laundry list of things that, you know, I could sit here and, and preach to you that we should, we should do these things. So I'm going to read it. All right, so Galatians chapter 5, 19 through 26. Here's some scripture telling us some things we need to put into practice or not. And it says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the, the, the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. See, so yeah, all right, so there's, a, there's, there's quite a few things there, right? So now remember, the, the, the letter that was written to Galatian, the, the, the Galatian believers, all right, it wasn't written to the, the bars of Galatia or the, the strip clubs of, of Galatia or, you know, any of those kind of things, right? It was, it was written to the churches of Galatia. And according to, uh, according to chapter one, you see that and you wouldn't, you wouldn't have to, to, to work very hard here to find someone guilty of any of these things. Even some of those top things, we've all been guilty of some of those. So what should we do when a person ever commits such an egregious act? Or, or slips up and, and doesn't feel patient one day, or exhibit a kindness, or, or is not gentle one day? What are we supposed to do with those It follows up in the next chapter, right? See, the laundry list of things is pretty, pretty difficult to behold, but if you go to the next chapter and just the first couple of verses, it says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgressions, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of what? Gentleness. Gentleness. Keep, your, keep watch on yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. See, in the church, we, we get this all the time. Somebody slips up, somebody you know, goes off the handle, or somebody mistreats somebody, or God forbid, somebody does something on that top list of, and, and commits some immoral behavior. And a lot of times the church gives them the boot and treats them in a, in a way that's not gentle, right? 
And so there's this caution that there's purpose behind the standard when we're practice, when we're when we're preaching, and then when we when we're practicing what we preach, there's a there's a, has to go hand in hand the purpose behind it. There's a purpose behind what Jesus says and practicing what we preach. All right. So the second thing is, yeah, not caring about the burdens placed on people. See, the, the Pharisees, they liked to put a lot of burdens on people. That's an elephant on somebody's back, it seems. You think that's real? My, my back sometimes feel like, <laughs> like it is, right? So we all know the things every Christian, every Christian needs to give up in order to actually be saved, right? We all know the list. We're, we're, we've been informed of the list at some point in our, you know, being a Christian. All right? Christians, you have to give up smoking. All right? You have to give up smoking. This includes vapes. All right? It also includes chewing tobacco. Okay? N none of that. Drinking. This includes uh, beer and it includes liquor. Wines. Wine's debatable because of that whole, you know, Jesus making water into wine thing in Cana, right? All right. So, um, country music, got to get rid of it. Rap, absolutely. R&B and even jazz, like Christians can't, you have to give that up in order to be a Christian. Going to bars, clubs, dancing, I guess, unless it's at a wedding. I think you can do that these days. No? All right. So dancing, just 100% off. Cuss words, no cursing. I mean, not even the, well, no, never mind. All right. So no cussing at all. Uh, no working on Sundays. All right. Chick-fil-A had that one right. All right. Unless you're a pastor, right? I guess yeah, that's, that's okay. You got to work on Sundays or ministry leader. You got to give up. If you're to be a Christian, you got to give up rated R movies. Unless it's Passion of the Christ. Like that, was, that one was okay. Right? Make exceptions there. And I'm sure I'm missing something. But yeah, I, you, you know that I'm joking, but has anybody ever been, like, felt like somebody wanted you to give up some of those things and just hitting you like you got it? You ha these are the things. I remember. I, I have stories. I could go on and on about that. We have to we have, to have an understanding that we, can't just, that we can't just throw rules on people and not exhibit a, a willingness to, to walk alongside of them as they, as they figure out what the Lord's desire is for them in their walk with Him. And please make sure that when we're, when we're working through somebody in, in a discipleship relationship, that, that we're doing it with a, with a, with a desire and, and a passion for, for them and, and, giving, and giving them, you know, I don't know, grace and, and patience. I don't have a lot of grace and patience by nature. But Jesus is pretty awesome. He, he does that. He does well with that. And, and make sure that it's, it's the Lord's standards, not ours. Because we can, we can write our own kind of scripture, can't we? And we can also put, on, uh, put, put standards on them that basically, there are rules for some people. Like, all right, here, here we go. I'm going to just give you an example. I, I believe that it's not a sin to drink alcohol. I mean, unless you're an alcoholic. You see what I'm saying? Some people can, some people can't. Those kind of things. All right? I believe wholeheartedly that it's a sin for me to go to a buffet. Just going to throw that out there. <laughs> Just, unless it's Texas Day Brazil, 
right? When you just eat all the meat you want. Like, I just, I'm okay with that sin right there. I'm just, I'm okay with it. All right. So, relationships meant little to nothing to these Pharisees that we see in Matthew 23. Relationships were, were just non-existence, but that is the purpose behind Jesus. Jesus' uh, purpose and the, his standards. There's a purpose behind it. It's all based on relationship, our relationship with him, his relationship with us, our relationship with each other. There's, there's a purpose behind his standards. This kind of thing helped push my brother away for, for years. Uh, it was, he, he gave his life to the Lord and he had to burn every CD he had. He had I mean, there was, a, there was a laundry list of things. And guess what? It was burning and burden and burden of everything that the, the, the specific church and the pastor, like here's your, like that list that I you know, read earlier. Like, and it pushed him away. It was so overwhelming. And I think, I think many of us know somebody who they, they had that kind of thing in town. We, we, we established relationships over that five years with, with somebody who, who just so happened to be homosexual. And, and we, we built this relationship with them. On a Sunday morning in another local church, they went and, and, and the girl went up front. She wanted to accept Christ as her personal Lord and Savior. And the pastor's wife took her in another room and said, you got to give up homosexuality before you. Let, let the Holy Spirit do that, right? Become a believer. Read scripture. Let God change you. Not us trying through all these rules. Guess who doesn't walk with the Lord right now? It's frustrating. All right, the third way. Anybody know who this is? Liberace. Come on, man. All right, the third way is running around saying, look at me, look at me. All right, flashy. This is old school. There are, there are new people. I, I, I was going to go with a newer picture, but I didn't know you guys would be in the room. Anybody you know, like flashy, has to like dress to the nines? Who? Mike D.? Your dean? <laughs> okay, I don't even want to know. All right. <laughs> this one seems to be the most comical to me. I mean, talk about someone who has lost sight. This, anybody know what a phylactery is? All right. All right. So imagine a box on someone's head, wrapped around their head. They also put a, it's Jewish custom to have a box of phylactery here, closest to the heart on the left arm, and you wrap it around your arm seven times. And these boxes just got big. I just, I actually wanted to get, like get a big, huge box and place it on my head, but I didn't. I've, that's what I was going to do for you guys, but I didn't find a box. Anyway, they, they it just. It, they wanted, in order to, to stand out and, and look like they were holier, their, their box that was filled with scripture just got bigger and bigger. I don't know. It was like, I don't know. Maybe the, at the time, modern day unicorns or something. I don't know what that was, but really weird. All right. But news flash. People actually can, can, can recognize genuineness or ingenuineness. We think people are stupid or something. If our purpose behind doing good and giving to the church 
learning God's word, praying out loud so that people believe that we're God's gift to the church, then we've lost sight of what the actual purpose is behind those things. People should not see how awesome you are. When they look at you, they should see how awesome your God is. If you ever catch yourself falling into a trap thinking, I, I hope that somebody recognizes all that I'm doing here. I, I hope. Do you know that there are people who walk in churches thinking that if it wasn't for them, nothing would get done? There are people in churches who think that the church couldn't function without them. I'm sorry. The church is the body of Christ. It will function without you. I can, I can assure you that. All right? If you ever catch yourself thinking these things, I, I want you to do me a favor. All right? You have my permission to do this. If you think that you're so awesome. Now, I'm, I'm okay. I believe that you guys are awesome. Would you agree? They're all awesome but sometimes we can get things misconstrued. But if you ever catch yourself thinking this, I want you to step in front of a mirror and imagine yourself with a big box the size of you and just commend your conceited self saying how awesome you are. All right? I just want you to do that. It's just not right. All right? And if we see, an, if we see another believer doing that, what are we supposed to do? Hey, here's, here's some, here's some uh, I don't know, good counsel. If you see somebody or hear somebody going, man, I just think I could do it better. Pull them aside. In a gentle way, like it said in the passage in Galatians. And, and, and with gentleness, say, hey, come on. Let's, let's make some other choices here. Let's work through this. In a gentle way. Right? And allow God to work through them and pray for them. Don't just write them off. Don't gossip about them. Don't heckle them. Don't avoid them. All right? Work with them. The fourth way. You know, like this, right? All right? Using positions to get stuff. You know who that is? <laughs> I figure you'd like that, Max. All right. All right. I, I gotta, I gotta be honest with you. I feel, I feel most guilty about this one. All right, because I do a lot of traveling. All right, I stay in the same uh, hotel brand, IHG brand hotels at Holiday Inn, Holiday Express, Crown Plazas, Intercontinental. And I just, I love it. I've walked into some hotels around the country, and there's a sign out front at the, at the desk welcoming all of their Spire Elite members, and my name's on there. Like, I feel. And I love it when I go to the counter, like, hey, good afternoon, Mr. Wheelock. Uh, thank you for being a Spire Elite member. We've went ahead and gave you the upgrade. We've put you on the executive floor. Like, I just, I feel good, right? All right, so in Delta, I got, I finally got status this year. All right, so, I mean, it's the lowest status you can possibly get, but I got status. And I, I just, I appreciate it when they say we just want to thank our medallion members. I'm like, yeah, that's me. I got, I'm a medallion member. I also like it when they call my name and I go up to the counter and they say, Mr. Wheelock, we just want to let you know we've bumped you up to first class. I feel special. Have you guys, anybody ever flown first class? I've flown first class. 
And I got to be honest with you, like they serve you a drink and a snack while all the other people getting on the plane. Like I'm drinking my drink and snacking my snack. And when the plane is in the air, you get a real glass. You don't get that chintzy plastic stuff. Right. I, I, I believe I believe it works very well in the corporate world, that kind of thing. And I'll just admit my own guilt. Like, okay, I, I'm, I'm, I'm terrible. I'm a terrible person for liking first class. But I believe it works well in the corporate world. But that kind of thinking, is there's no place in the church for that. I, I believe you'd be hard-pressed to find in Scripture a, a place where honor is taken or, or expected. Honor is to be what? Given. Not, not expected. Work hard. Serve your church. Serve in the community. Be a leader, but don't do it for a special seat. Don't do it for a write-up in the Grace Church Gazette, how awesome you are. Don't do it for people to recognize you. I, if you do an awesome job, I know around here, like Ryan will give you a high five and tell you how awesome you are. Don't do something awesome to get the high five. Do it for the king of the universe. Do it because a savior laid down his life for you. Serve because Jesus served you first. Lead because the creator gave you the ability to do so. Thank you, God, for giving me the ability to do these things. Use your story, your position for a purpose much bigger than yourself. Use it for God's glory, not yours. All right, quick lesson here, all right, in, in, in verses 8 through 12. All right, here it is. Ready? Life is not about you. All right? You guys ever heard this? We'd, we'd share it in our preschool. Uh, Jesus, what? Jesus first. Other second, you third. We, we teach it to our young, young people. We seem, we, we seem to forget about it as we get older. A lot of people do. Right? So just, just be careful that we're ex being a, an example of servant leadership. All right. All right. You guys okay? That wasn't too harsh. All right. But here's, here's Jesus yelling. I just, I, I love it. All right. So. Turn to, your, turn to Matthew chapter 23, verse 13. I'm not going to yell at you long, all right? Jesus is going to yell longer than I am. I'll read that, all right? So, you ready? Matthew chapter 23, verse 13. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel across sea and land to make a single convert. And when he becomes a convert, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. Woe to you, blind guides, who say if anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? 
And you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, he is bound by his oath. You blind men, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? So whoever swears by the altar swears by it and everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears by it and him who dwells in it. And whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate but the inside, they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, then the outside, that the outside also may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous, saying, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would have, we would have not taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. Thus you witness against yourselves that you are the sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up. Fill up the measures of your fathers. You serpents. You brood of vipers. How are you to escape being sentenced to hell? Therefore I send you prophets and wise men and, and scribes, some of whom will crucify or will kill and crucify, and some you will flog in your synagogues and, and persecute from town to town, so that, on, uh, so that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. Truly I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. O oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you that you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord sorry, not sorry for the, for the rant there, but I just, I, I want to use fewer words, all right? So I have the list of woes, all right? And just, just remember that this is, uh, again, eight ways that we can guard ourselves from losing sight of God's purpose, all right? Here we go. I want to put them in writing so that way you guys could write these down so if you ever catch yourself, all right? We can't be so, these are the woes. We can't be so rigid on rules that we wreck relationships. See, there's, there's purpose behind it. When someone or ourselves mess up, 
There's purpose behind it. The next one. We can't take advantage of people. Verse 14. Verse 15. We can't be the model. Christ must be the model in us. Verses 16 through 22. We can't keep moving the lines or changing the rules to suffice our personal feelings of sin. We like moving lines. I'm right. You're just worse than I am. All right? Verses 23 through 24. We can't pick and choose what to surrender. Is is Jesus Lord or not? And Lord means that you are not. We can't redefine obedience. Ignorance is not bliss. It's sin. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Putting a lazy effort into our desire for holiness is just that. Laziness. And by the way, that's sin. Ignorance is bliss means all right, if I don't read the Bible, I'll never know what God expects. If I didn't know it, well. All right. Next one. We can't just work on our Sunday morning facade. The only one we are truly fooling is ourself. People know if we're fake, and God absolutely sees the heart of who we truly are. We're good at the Sunday morning facade. You guys look good this, yeah. How do you look tomorrow at your workplace? Now we're at school, right? What are we saying? What are we doing? The last one. We can't be consumed with finger pointing. Actually take responsibility. The passage ends with the clarification of the purpose behind God's standards. Verse 33, there's a purpose behind it. To save us from destruction. <laughs> to, to save us from pain. To, to save us from, what does it say in verse 30? Eternal damnation, really. At the end of the day, he's trying to save souls here. God's desire through his standards is for us to see that he is a God of mercy and chances and grace, patience, provision, brokenheartedness, judgment, love, all those things that he mentions there at the end. He, that's who God is. That's his purpose. He wants us to fully surrender our hearts and lives to him. He's not a God who just sets forth rules with an, an, an innate desire to be in a relationship with us. He, he wants that. The people around the church are watching. The, the people that are outside of the church, they're watching us. Our family is watching. Our neighbors are watching. Our coworkers are watching us. And the question that I have for you this morning is, what are we doing to represent that kind of a God? The God of grace and patience and provision. What are we doing to represent that? Because we can, I, I like it how we, I actually don't like it, but we're pretty hard on the Pharisees. Jesus was pretty hard on the Pharisees. It's just like, uh, you, you ever read through Exodus and, and just think, the, the Israelites were just terrible people. They're whining and bickering and moaning. But I got to be honest with you. We whine and bicker and moan a lot. And we can become just as Pharisaical and full of ourselves as the Pharisees. 
So there's this caution this morning that we, that we don't fall into that trap of selfishness and conceitedness. That we actually read through the scripture and, 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 and let it transform our hearts and our minds. Will you pray with me?